Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Go in Peace, a daily podcast from the Houghton College Chapel Office, where each day we take a look at our college lectionary texts and we ponder provocative thoughts so that we can truly go in peace to love and serve the Lord. My name is Michael Jordan. I'm Dean of the Chapel here at Houghton, and uh, today is Wednesday, November 4th, and today's lectionary texts are Psalm 5, Ezra 3, 10 to 13, and 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 7, 1. And as always, if you want to go take a look at those texts, feel free to pause the player and you can go read those and then come on back. And uh, today I'll just share some thoughts with you on the text from Ezra. And um, I think I mentioned to you in a previous podcast that uh, each year as I put this lectionary together, I'm careful to include texts from all 66 books of the Bible so that if you were to come to morning prayer every day of the year or afternoon prayer every day of the year, you would hear all 66 books read. And so this is the only day that we have a text from Ezra. So this is Ezra Day. Uh, last week, I think sometime it was Nahum Day, but today is Ezra Day. And I'll be reading to you Ezra 3, 10 to 13. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, and this is the second temple, incidentally, the priests in their vestments were stationed to praise the Lord with trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals, according to the directions of King David of Israel. And they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever towards Israel. And all the people responded with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the priests and Levites and heads of families, old people who had seen the first house on its foundations, wept with a loud voice when they saw this house, though many shouted aloud for joy, so that the people could not distinguish the sound of the joyful shout from the sound of the people's weeping. For the people shouted so loudly that the sound was heard far away. Well, that is a very poignant text from the book of Ezra. And again, they're watching the second temple. Um, and those who are young are excited to see what's happening. And those who are old are sad because they remember the glory of the former temple. And they remember what was, and they are so sad and struck with what is. Um, again, in a way, it would almost be easier to not have any temple at all <laughs> than to see the temple which is, this poor reflection of what used to be. And of course, the question of whether the old and the young are right, you know, who's right here? Is it something to be excited about or is it something to be sad about? They both are. There's no right or wrong, really. <laughs> I mean, of course, it's very natural for the old folks to feel as they feel. That there's nothing that quite is like it was before. And it's quite right for the young to be excited because God is doing something and is on the move and creating a place for him and for his people. And I, I just, I love the surreal beauty of thinking of all the people just raising this great shout so that you can't distinguish the joy from the sadness, right? There's just this surreal beauty about just picturing screams of joy and screams of sadness. And in the middle of it, how very important it is for both sides of the thing to really understand each other. You know, 
Like, it's so, it's such a wonderful gift whenever a young person has compassion on an older person. In our culture particularly, maybe not in ancient Near Eastern culture quite as much, but in our culture it certainly is true that young people are not um, required at all to have compassion on their elders. In fact, youth culture is so strong that, you know, there's an idea that, that uh, you know, we've taken the baton and kind of left you behind, and certainly, again, to be middle-aged in the middle of this, right? Like, I, am, I understand, uh, you know, there's a part of me that is thinking, the baby boomers will never retire, the people my parents' age, you know, and, and uh, you know, people my age often think, when will I have kind of my moment? Um, meanwhile, we feel like we're already too old for the college students uh, in our midst. Like, we just recognize we're, the time has already passed us by in some ways. Um, but when both sides of the argument can understand each other, when the young can have compassion on the old, and when the old can have compassion on the young and be excited for the things that they're excited for, that also is a gift. Like I say, uh, um, there's no reason for old people to be kind to young people in our culture either, and I hear old people disparage the young. But when, when the two can sort of be together and be joyful together and cry together, um, to me that seems like a healthy kind of thing. It also strikes me just how much of our life is lived in this place of joy and sadness altogether. <laughs> you know, again, I have five kids, so maybe I'm more used to this kind of emotional kind of roller coaster where every day it's kind of like, which mood is a kid going to be in when I get home? And how many kids are going to be in good moods and how many are going to be in bad moods? And then you discover quickly that they're all, the, the line between a good mood and bad mood is not between kids, but runs down the middle of each kid's heart. Like, <laughs> you know, each kid themselves is in a good and bad mood. And me too, right? Like in the end, there are ways that I'm happy and ways that I'm frustrated. And, and this text kind of gives voice to that. When I of course, Henry Nouwen, a, a writer that I deeply love, he, he talks about this too. He just read a quote from him. There's a quality of sadness that pervades all the moments of our lives. It seems there's no such thing as a clear-cut, pure joy, but that even in the most happy moments of our existence, we sense a tinge of sadness. But this intimate experience in which every bit of human life is touched by a bit of death can point us beyond the limits of our existence. It can do so by making us look forward in expectation to the day when our hearts will be filled with a perfect joy, a joy that no one shall take away from us. That's from his book, Making All Things New, and it's one of my favorite quotes of Nouwen's. But that idea that joy and sadness kind of naturally go together in all of our lives, that in the moments when we are joyful, we also are sad, that there's something that comes in and makes us feel sad. Perhaps it's at the wedding of someone we love and we think, I wish dad was still alive to see this, right? Or when we are in a, a class and uh, have achieved something really great, but we look around and realize that the fact that I've achieved head of the class means that someone else has not achieved head of the class and they're sad about it. Joy and sadness sort of go together. And that for now and is just this reminder that um, we, we were made for a perfect joy, and the fact we experience that sadness here should just sort of remind us to look forward to something that's here and to not settle for earthly joy, right? We, if, we, if we settle for even how beautiful human life is here and in this way, but if we settle for it and say, this is the best that could possibly be, we're missing the desire of God's heart for our lives for when he sets things right and makes things new. 
And as much as I love human existence, I don't want to think of it as the be-all and end-all. There are things that, when, when God, in his way, roots out sin from this equation and makes things as they ought to be, it will be infinitely more beautiful. And so I think now one would look at this passage from Ezra and just sort of say, yes, <laughs> here are the young people excited and the old people crying and how desperately they need each other in the moment. The old need the young so that they don't despair. The young need the old so that they know there's something more to aspire to and how often we can play that role for each other in the body. Let's take a moment now and pray. God, we are thankful for all the joy you give us in our lives. We're thankful, too, for the people in our lives who remind us that there's more and better than we can see right now. Even though it's painful to sometimes come to that place of sadness, we, we're thankful, God, that you have more joy in store for us than we can fully understand here. So we pray, God, that when we find ourselves in that bittersweet place, that we'll remember uh, to, to turn to you, as Nowen suggests, and to, to turn our hearts toward you and toward your ultimate design for us and for our healing and for the joy which knows no sadness, which will be ours one day. We ask this through Christ. Amen. Well, always nice to chat with you. We'll look forward to it again tomorrow. Until then, go in peace to love and serve the Lord.